Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Intellectual Agrarian Podcast. Today's guest is Claire Massesson, Communications Manager for Iroquois Valley Farms, an investment group that invests in land, farms, and the next generation. With her, we're going to talk about the philosophy of that kind of business and how Iroquois Valley goes about it. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the program. Claire, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Great. How are you? Thanks so much for having me. Uh, I'm living the dream. <laughs> now you work for Iroquois. Sorry, you work for Iroquois Valley Farms. Can you tell us a little bit about what they do? Sure. Um, so Iroquois Valley Farms, pretty basically, is a farmland finance company focusing on land access. So we work primarily for um, getting the next generation of organic farmers on the land. What that means practically is that people invest in the company and the investments directly support purchasing or either financing for organic farmers. We work mostly with small to mid-sized farmers who've identified land that fits into their business, but they're lacking the capital needed to finance that purchase of the land. Um, That's where Iroquois Valley Farms comes in, and we offer long-term leases with clear paths to ownership as well as mortgage financing. Wow. So how did a company like that start? It's not the -the run-of-the-mill business. Yeah, definitely. Um, Our founders started the company kind of as a response to our industrialized agriculture system. Uh, They saw that large-scale monocultures that relied on chemical inputs were unhealthy for the land and for people. So one of our founders is a medical doctor and saw food-related illness was, you know, on the rise. Another had a career in corporate finance and understood that a shift away from conventional agriculture would also be a shift away from conventional finance. So they put those skills together and started the company. Um, As you probably know, U.S. farmland is still only about 1% of total U.S. farmland. So, so, I mean, 1% organic agriculture. Um, So a lot of times, you know, what that basically means is that there's huge room for growth um, Mm -hmm. when we're at that little amount. Um, a lot of times people in farmers who are interested in going organic, um, don't really have the land security to do so. So the focus on land access was to give them sustainable and secure, um, land to actually make the transition, which is a three-year process. Mm -hmm. So the vision was to create a company built to support farmers through the transition and beyond that, as well as create a way for investors to support organic agriculture and, you know, the, the benefits that extend to the environment and people and in more areas as well. It's definitely not, uh, again, to repeat myself, run-of-the-mill company. I mean, most yeah, people don't have not. that perspective. Right. Um, I think our founders also were, you know, raised in rural Illinois. So they grew up around um, farming and they, they kind of understood that from a personal level as well. Mm-hmm. So what's your role at the company? Um, I am the communications manager, so pretty broadly, I work on getting our message out. Um, that basically means creating materials, so so marketing materials like fact sheet or brochure. Um, it also means creating farmer profiles that highlight specific, specific farms and their stories. A lot of times, I'm the first person farmers connect with when they're reaching out to see if working with a company like us even makes sense, so... Um, it's, it's kind of a lot of just like communicating quite simply. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I also do administrative work for the company. 
So you're the one who basically takes the farmland finance company with investments and translates that into something that the everyday farmer or person can understand. Yeah, hopefully. That's the idea, for sure. So in our research, we found out you graduated with a degree in philosophy and French, and that leads (laughs) me to a very obvious question, but one that I have to ask. How did you go from (laughs) that to sustainable agriculture? Um, So actually, it's not as far as a leap as a lot of people think. Um, So within philosophy, there are... um, social and political areas. Um, and within that you can study food systems quite simply. Um, so I, I started getting interested in food systems, agricultural and environmental ethics and kind of the way that societies look at these issues. So, um, now something I was doing entirely within philosophy. And then I, you know, after graduation, I was looking for a way to actually do that work practically. And it led me to this field. Very neat. Uh, so from there, which uh, this is more or less just the minor question of a person who enjoys philosophy, which school of philosophy did you <laughs> mostly focus on? Um, I mean, I was pretty interested in existentialism as, as a thought um, and a movement, but uh, I mean, broadly social and political philosophy was the way that I got, you know, really involved and, um, food systems work is, is totally a result of a lot of like social structures. It's, it's a result of the way we prioritize the environment. Um, and, and oftentimes it is a huge result of policy. So, you know, when you look at things with a broad perspective from philosophy, it's easy to connect dots. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, doing this work on the ground level is, is, I mean, it still is a big mix up of different areas, you know, like based on values, based on policy, based on everyday realities. Absolutely. That's the tagline of the podcast, actually, is philosophy from the farm. So cool. I guess that yeah, kind of answers <laughs> to a degree the next question. Have you found ways to incorporate your philosophical know-how into your job? I mean, I'm not necessarily writing essays on academic philosophy anymore, but um, I do feel that the work I do focuses, you know, because it's focused on changing the food system. Mm-hmm. That is kind of a philosophical issue at its root. So um, the way that Iroquois Valley Farms is working to get the next generation on the land to farm in a regenerative way, you know, one that doesn't contribute to climate change, but actually might help solve it through, through carbon sequestration, through, through other regenerative practices. I think that that's a very ethical approach. And, um, you know, it's also like the idea of praxis, like putting ethics into practice. Mm-hmm. And so I think that, I think that, yeah, I think philosophy definitely comes into play, but maybe not in the way it used to when I was in school. <laughs> I think that few things come into play the way they did in school. Right. <laughs> Except maybe algebra, but that's a whole nother topic. So, <laughs> yeah, I definitely don't use algebra too much in the job. In December 2016, you wrote an article on millennials in the farming future. Since we're both millennials in the agricultural field, what do you think is bringing people of our generation into this sector of the economy? Um, so I think that there are many things. Um, one one issue that's, that's sort of, you know, a reality is that the farmer is, is an aging population. 
the average age of a farmer is either 58 or 59. And quite simply, there just need to be young people entering farming. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's one, that's one very big reason. Um, I think that another reason that's pretty unique to millennials is that we're a generation that's grown up kind of dealing with the reality of climate change. Um, you know, like we we're starting to see the effects. Um, kind of as a side note, I'm originally from California and following, following the drought and, you know, the way that fires have intensified because of that and all of the water issues in my home state, um, those are really real realities that are affecting agriculture. And I think that there's kind of been a push in this generation to address those um, because they're real and we're facing them and there's this desire to to make a change and make impact. Um, speaking for myself, I mean, I knew that I wanted to do work that would be good for the planet and would be addressing the issues of today. So I think that that's something a lot of farmers feel and that's, you know, very direct action is, you know, farming in a regenerative way that's, that's not contributing to the issues that we're dealing with right now and, you know, potentially solving them mm-hmm. or definitely playing a role in solving them. So um, another thing that we see a lot with the people and the farmers that we're working with is that um, we're working with the next generation. So these are people that have grown up on farms. Oftentimes they're millennials, um, but they're, they're third or fourth generation farmers. So they're coming into age and taking over the family farm. So, so that's, I mean, that's kind of speaking to the issue of the aging farmer population, but at the same time, it's, it's being repopulated by millennials. Mm-hmm. And some of them are, are new farmers. There's a lot of growth with new farmers coming in, but there's also a lot of next generation farmers beginning to take over right now. And a lot of those so, next I generation, mean, those are a few. Oh, sorry, uh, and a lot of those next generation farmers are looking at and saying, hey, organics is the better way to go at this point from an economic yeah, and environmental and, standpoint. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're seeing that it makes more economic sense and it's it's an industry with a ton of growth. I mean, I think that millennials um, are definitely a big uh, buying. Uh, what is the word? Uh, they have incredible buying power. Yes. So, so we're a generation that's really kind of pushing organic industry growth. So it's like millennial parents are often going into grocery stores, demanding organic products. And um, there needs to be more work, at least in the U.S., for, for farmers to fill the role of, you know, what, what getting the products into the shelves and having them still be localized. Because, I mean, local foods are a big issue. Mm-hmm. Organic food is a big issue. And there's, there's a way to put them together for sure. Now, this wasn't exactly a question I had written down for you, but because it's in the news and... We just had an entire episode on it the other day. We've been doing a lot of speculation about the Whole Foods uh, Amazon deal. How do you think mm-hmm. that will play come into play with the millennials? Since obviously we do a lot of our um, shopping online these days. Sure. That's been something I've been really interested in as well. And I've, I've read a few different articles on it. Um, I was just reading an article the other day. I think um, it was on NPR's The Salt, um, and it was saying that 
a lot of the small farmers that Whole Foods work with feel that Amazon will be good for them and it'll get them even into bigger markets. Mm -hmm. So there's optimism on that side. I mean, obviously, I can't speak to what will actually happen, but that was an interesting read. Um, I think that I, I feel like a lot of farmers have been, you know, starting to market online as well. So that keeps continuing to grow. So it might be interesting to 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 see how these big brands work. And then obviously they're representing much smaller brands mm-hmm. in their stores and now online. So it could be very good, but um, I really don't know how it's going to play out. It's, yeah. it's something I'm definitely watching. It, it I think it's like the big... I feel bad for all my guests post this announcement because I'll always be like asking them this question until we get details because it's going right. to have such an impact. I'm just really curious to find out what happens. I think most people in yeah. the cultural industry are. Yeah, I think, I think it's definitely something that I hope that the small farmers that are supplying brands get to, you know, continue their work and maybe get larger audience audiences and um, maybe even, help in scaling their brand if they get these bigger audiences, you know, so that they don't get lost. But I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Absolutely. Especially when we start thinking of all the philosophical ramifications, but that's an entirely another episode. So <laughs> definitely. Uh, how does Iroquois Valley work with this new generation? We talked a little bit about it earlier with the land contracts. Can you give us a little more detail? Sure. So Iroquois Valley Farms is working directly with the millennial generation. Um, we have over 70% millennial farmers on our leased farms. So this means that we're providing land access, you know, and land security to millennial farmers who are growing their operation. A lot of that was a result of our young farmer land access program, which has helped us connect with these farmers. Um, our financing program is actually more indirect in the way that we're supporting the next generation, just because we tend to provide financing for parents, but in doing that, we're creating a path to ownership for the next generation that will inherit that mm-hmm. land that we financed. So, I mean, a lot of what we're doing is working to get the next generation of farmers the security to, to develop their operation, grow it, and, you know, start contributing to this field in, in the way that the farmers of today are doing. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of farmers that are a little bit older that you're helping, I mean, they're passing it on to their kids. Farming's more than a single year or a single crop. It's generations. Absolutely. And, you know, these parents have, you know, they're already organic farmers and their kids are already involved in the operation. So, you know, there's generational transfer happening in real time, but it's also creating a, a clear pathway for the generational, like the legal transfer of the land to take place, which is a stumbling block a lot of farmers encounter. Mm-hmm. Now, wrapping things up, Claire, is there anything you'd like to share with the audience? Um, sure. So anyone who's interested in what I've been talking about and learning more about Iroquois Valley Farms should definitely check out our website. Um, we have a contact us page and, you know, you can write your email and ask any question you want and we can get back to you. But um, we also have a Facebook. We are newly joined to Twitter. Uh, that was like a result of this month. So you can find us either place if you just search at Iroquois Valley Farms and that's where we do most of our updating. Um, and 
yeah, there's a wealth of information on our website if you want to check it out. Well, excellent. Thank you very much, Claire, for being on the show. Be sure to go take a look at their Facebook page and their website and look them up on Twitter. Thanks again for being on the show. Hope we'll have you again sometime. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening. Go ahead and take a look at Iroquois Valley's website and social media. The links are in the description below. You can support the Intellectual Agrarian Podcast by subscribing to whatever listening medium you use and leaving us a nice review. You can also follow us on our social media, Facebook, Instagram, even Twitter. Links are below. As always, I'm Terrence Lahue. This has been the Intellectual Agrarian Podcast reminding you to keep farming the dream.